Well, if you would, let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter, I mean, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 27, actually. We'll, we'll start with verse 27 and go through the end of chapter 11. Matthew uh, chapter 11, beginning in verse 27. Hear God's word. This is God's holy, inspired, inerrant word. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me that I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. May the Lord bless the reading and the understanding of His Scripture. A, a British writer, British bishop from many years ago, J.C. Ryle, says that this passage, Matthew 11, 27 through 30 or 28 through 30, he says there are few passages in the four Gospels more important than this. Well, I would suggest to you today that the Lord offers you a way to receive information that cannot be gathered any other way than through Him. And that as you receive it, you will rejoice to say, I have found it. You may know that word Eureka that comes from a story about a, a Greek um, engineer, we might call him today, inventor and philosopher and thinker uh, named Archimedes, who discovered an important principle and as he discovered that important principle, supposedly he said, I have found it. And the word in Greek is Eureka. I have found it. May you come to Jesus and through Jesus come to a knowledge of the Father that cannot be found anywhere else. And may you rejoice to say, I have found it. Found it. He has given it to me. He has chosen to give it, to reveal this to me. As he says at the end of Matthew 11, may this be part of your life. The search for this truth, for this information is on. We live on cursed ground. We live in a cursed universe. We have a cursed society and government here and, and, and around the world. Cursed Governments, cursed cultures, cursed peoples, cursed relationships, 
We are under that curse from the Garden of Eden. But we have a blessing that's been offered to us only in the name of and in the person of and the work of Jesus Christ himself. But if we live in this world and we have not yet done what these verses say, if we have not yet come to Jesus as he says, come to me, then we will be full of unrest. You can see that all around you, can't you? You you can see that our world runs on unrest. Hurry, vexation, failure. Those are some words that old J.C. Ryle uh, brought up to talk about this issue. I was listening to the radio yesterday and heard a whole program about dealing with rejection and frustration and failure and disappointment. That's a picture of the world. Picture of the world without knowing Christ. You may remember Augustine's writing about 400 years after Jesus was here on earth, saying, saying that thou hast made me for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. Now that's in his book of Confessions, great book. Our, our professor, my professor, and our pastor in seminary used to recommend to all of us that we read that book once a year. But this is talking about leading to coming to Christ, the need for coming to Christ and reaching his heart, which will make a present, a growing, and an eternal difference in our hearts and lives. Pride is what keeps you, me, anyone from coming and receiving the answer. Rushing around everywhere, trying to find an answer, trying to find rest, trying to find answer to the unrest in our cursed world, trying to find the blessing of given rest. It's, it's usually pride. It's thinking you know something. Thinking you've got the answer when you do not have the answer. If you think you have all you need in yourself, you'll never have the thrill of being able to say, Eureka! I have found it. And of course you recognize that in the context of these words at the end of Matthew 11, you recognize it's not a matter of saying, I'm so smart, I found it. Uh, I'm so clever. Uh, I have worked so hard that I found it. The point is that it's been given to you, that you have admitted that you needed help. You needed the Lord, and you came to Him. He brought you to Himself, and He gave you this revelation of the Father. God is doing this. J.C. Ryle also says, so long as we think we are something, <laughs> we will never be saved. Well, let's turn to, to Job 28. This, this is the meditative scripture for, for this message. And it describes this looking for the answer. 
this part of, of Matthew, these, these verses, this, these are really, these are wisdom verse, verses. These are a matter of seeking to know God and, and longing for that special revelation beyond the natural revelation of the world, but special revelation of God's Word. Jesus is God's Word telling us about Himself. Job 28, beginning in verse 12, says, But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, It is not in me. And the sea says, It is not in me. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it. It's, it's priceless. A priceless gem, a priceless pearl. Nor can silver be weighed in its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned, and the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from? And where is the place of understanding? Thus it is hidden from the eyes of all living, and concealed from the birds of the sky. Abaddon and death say, With our ears we have heard a report of it. God understands its way. And he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he imparted weight to the wind and meted out the waters by measure, when he set a limit for the rain and the course for the thunderbolt, then he saw it and declared. He established it and also searched it out. As to man, he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. And so you have a picture of the world longing to find wisdom, longing to find the answer. There is a right answer. There is one right answer. And according to this passage at the end of Matthew 11, there is one answerer one source for receiving the answer itself. And that is the person of Jesus Christ himself. Matthew 11, at the end of the chapter, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Before that he says in verse 27, no one knows the Son except the Father, and nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone, anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Revelation. Letting you have the information. He's describing an exclusive relationship between the Father and the Son. Well, of course. There's only one source. It is God. God is Trinity. Father and Son. The Father and the Son are one. Jesus and His Father are one. He is God. 
he, as as Matthew Henry says in this passage, he 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 presents his credentials. He is God. He's the Word. Jesus is the revealer. Jesus uh, is the embodiment of the truth of God. He is the embodiment of the revelation of reality. And you can't understand anything in the world really without Him. There are no brute facts. There are no facts beyond the the context of the world as the Lord has taught us to understand it. Without the revealed worldview that Jesus gives, you cannot understand any fact correctly. He is the only fountain. That's what he's saying here. The only way. The only truth. The only life. The only way to the Father. He knows the Father. And He's the only one who knows. But there's an exception. To anyone to whom He will reveal. He chooses to reveal the Father. You must have humility to come. Which is so lacking in our social situation, our social interaction. Humility. Like a little child. Not like the wise. Not like the powerful. But like those who would bow before Him in humility. And this revelation is His choice. The word here in Matthew, where it says that He, he chooses to reveal says, uh, he says, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. That is the word for apocalypse. Apocalypse simply means unfolding, showing forth what's there. The calyx part is like the calyx of a flower, the, the sepals outside the petals, the outer covering because calyx comes from calyptane, uh, which is, is this word, apocalyptane, uh, or apocalyptane. Uh, so calyptane means to, to be covered. So as, as Job points out, without direct intervention from God Himself, wisdom and access to God is covered. But Jesus has come to take that covering, that calyx, that that calyptane, that covering, and 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 blow it apart. Apocalyptane, apocalypse. He takes he takes the secret and he opens it all up to you. He chooses to do that. He chooses according according to this um, apocalypse. He reveals it. And and so you're invited to come to Him. You're invited to come and take that yoke upon upon yourself. It's a yoke of virtue. John Chrysostom, uh, a very early preacher, uh, John, the the silver-mouthed, the golden-tongued, the great preacher from, uh, from the first few centuries after Christ, uh, he, t- he calls it the, the yoke of virtue. What you, what you learn, what you understand here, is the rest 
that you receive by living by the Ten Commandments. Accepting free salvation given to you by the Father. Absolutely of grace. But then because of your relationship with Him, because of your thanksgiving, because of your rejoicing, you desire to live for Him. And compared to all the disobedience of the Ten Commandments that you may have experienced and that you see out there in the world, you find that this yoke that He puts upon you is a great yoke. And, and He's yoked to you as one ox to the other. And He's the lead ox in this sense to pull so He relieves the burden upon you and it's made for you and you rejoice in it. And, and so there's great rest in living a godly life according to the Ten Commandments and all that flows from that. So that the, the anxiety of the world, the fear of the world, the, the, um, the, the, the neurosis of uh, living against the Ten Commandments cheating and stealing and doing all those things and all the turmoil that comes with that, you weren't made to live like that. And it's not good for you in any sense, including your guilt before God. So, whereas the wicked flee when no man pursueth, so we rejoice to run to the place of judgment because of what Christ has done for us. Matthew Henry says this yoke, this yoke looks like adding affliction to the afflicted. But he points out this is his yoke. Jesus is saying, you are under a yoke. It's the yoke of the devil. And it's killing you. It is crushing you. Shake that yoke off. And come to Jesus. Receive His yoke. It is so different. It's like leaving the yoke of slavery in Egypt for the delight of laboring and living out your life in the land of milk and honey. If you're going to have milk, you've got to do work. If you're going to have honey, you've got to do work. You, you, it, is, it is good for you, but it is blessed. Egypt's yoke is the devil's yoke. It's encrusted with broken glass and, and punk spikes and razor blades. It's, it's like a spiked collar turned inward. That's, that's the yoke that's upon you before you come to Jesus. And he's saying, my, my yoke, from the end of Matthew 11, my yoke is absolutely different. It doesn't have the spikes and the razor blades to cut you and hurt you and destroy you. It's not out to destroy you. My yoke is, is lined with love. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, take my yoke, not the world's yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find something you will not find anywhere else. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
He will give you rest. He will give you rest. Matthew Henry points out that Christ is our Noah. Noah. Because when Noah was born, the world was in a terrible mess. And his parents named him and said, we'll call him Noah because it is our hope. <laughs> he will give us rest from all this terrible life that's going on around us. Christ is our greater Noah. Rest and compassion. Dane Ortland says in his book that we're studying, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Christ. When it says, I will give you rest, it's literally, I will rest you. It's first person singular there. In the original, it's, it's I, I do it. I will rest you. It is not crushing labor on, one, on the one hand. And it is not aimless, aimlessness, no work, boredom on the other hand. This is that for which He chooses you. He chooses you to give you the information. He chooses you to bring you to Himself. And this is the purpose. For you to live a full life before Him and to His glory. Ephesians 1.4 ties those two things together. Just as He chose us before the foundation of the world in Him, that we would be, that we would be, that's purpose statement, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He is gentle. He is lowly. He is meek. He has restrained power. He has, has all the power in the world. But He is willing to be so gentle with regard to you and your life. Think about how He treated Peter after He failed. Think about the woman at the well. Think about Zacchaeus. Think about the woman who was caught in adultery. Think about the woman who touched Him. Think about Thomas who, who wouldn't believe. Doubting Thomas. Think about John the Baptist his cousin who said, should we wait for someone else? Think about Elijah running away. Moses being proud. Miriam and Aaron. Think about you. How will he treat you if you come? He will treat you as gently as he treated Peter. As gently as he treated the woman called an adultery. Come to Him. This is the key to happiness. This is the key to a light heart. The way of obedience and fellowship with God is the way of rest. Not running and hiding and fearing and making up excuses and trying to control your life and failing and failing and failing. Will you reject His invitation? Right before this passage, he talks about three cities that rejected him. You don't want to reject him. This is the king. And the king has come to you. And he's come, like Zechariah said, and as happened and recorded in Matthew 21, he came gentle, meek, as, as riding on a donkey. He's the king. But He comes to you gently and He says, come to Me. 
old Job, Job was the, as far as I know, the oldest book in the Bible, because Moses didn't write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy until uh, much later, as far as I can tell. But Job was very early. In Job 28, we read about that searching for salvation, searching for the Savior. Job 19.25 and following is his eureka statement. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last day he will take his stand on the earth. What a statement of faith is that? That, that truth given to him by Christ himself on behalf of the Father and by the power of the Spirit. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh, a statement of the resurrection, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, whom my eyes will see and not another. My heart faints within me. A Lutheran writer, Mr. Linsky, says, What can be lighter than a burden which unburdens us, and a yoke which bears its bearers. You will come, will you not? He gives you rest immediately from your sins and your guilt, uh, and, and you're having to pay for your sins. And then He gives you rest throughout this life, and then He prepares that rest forever in eternity. Rest for your souls as you live and grow in Christ, and then forever. As Matthew Henry says, begun in grace, perfected in glory. Come ye sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore, full of pity, joined with power. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. The man who wrote that, Joseph Hart, says that when he was 21 years old, he, was, he had a spirit of bondage. He said, a spirit of bondage distressed him sore. But he came to Jesus. Will you not come? Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. You will come to him, will you not? You will have your eureka moment and be able to describe it the way Joseph Hart described it, the way Job described it, the way Thomas described it when he said, My Lord and my God, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble, gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, begun in grace, perfected in glory. Let us pray. 